Let's get our Bibles and open them to the book of Titus chapter 2. We'll be going there very shortly. Titus chapter 2. Appreciate you being in church tonight. Did I get this? Yes, I did. You find that and have your attention for just a moment. And by the way, I appreciate those who showed flexibility in helping me with rearranging some things yesterday. Um, but I did not have notice ahead of time, and it affected some other people's schedules. You had appointments and such with me. And I appreciate your kindness and. Uh, and uh, not in any way that being a problem to you, even though I know it did change some arrangements for some folks. And I never take it lightly. If I've set appointments with you, I don't just lightly set them aside, but you understand the nature of things with the emergency. Um, in the book of Joshua, it's recorded a response that Caleb gave. Uh, Joshua and Caleb were the two men out of uh, the tribes of Israel that had been sent, they were two of the 12 tribes or 12 spies from the tribes that had been sent in to spy out the land. Of course, 10 of those spies came back and reported that there were giants, which there were, that there were large walled cities, which there were. But then they also reported that uh, they said we were as grasshoppers in their sight, which they weren't. And they said that uh, the land is an evil land and it eats the inhabitants up, which it didn't. And they began to accuse God. And of course, all those who come back in, those 10 spies who gave an evil report of what God gave as the promised land, and um, every man that was 20 years old and upward of that generation did not get to go into the promised land. And that began the 40 years wilderness wanderings. And those, you say, why 20 and upward? Because they were old enough to go to war. And so they chose not to. And so God said, you're not going into the promised land. It's interesting. God didn't just abandon them in the wilderness. He still cared for them. But they did not get to live in the fullness that God wanted for them. And so the next generation got to go in. And Joshua and Caleb were the exceptions out of those 10 and the exception in their generation the Bible says of each of them, it was because that they wholly followed God because they had a different spirit and they completely followed God. And so God said, you're going to get to go in. Caleb had wanted a place called Hebron. Hebron would be the place where David would, from which David would rule as king for the first seven years of his reign. And uh, Hebron was also the home residence of Anak and his offspring. You're familiar with one of his very famous offspring who also figures in the life of David pretty prominently. His name is Goliath. And uh, that, it was that mountain in that area of Hebron was the area where the giants came from. Just like uh, a kind of interesting thing in Africa, uh, Watusi, one of the tallest tribes uh, that there are in the world and averaging over six foot two or six foot three, I forget, uh, a man is in close association with where the pygmies live. It is. It's, they're like right over each other. One's more of the savanna type area, and the other's a forest land. And the, uh, about the only thing the big ones are afraid of is are those, those little ones. <laughs> and that's true too, because they said they land on them out of the trees and stuff. They don't want to fight them. 
and uh, so it's kind of interesting, isn't it? How, how the world, how the world's like that sometimes. Uh, but the uh, but Caleb, he wanted he wanted that mountain. That's where we get that song. I want that mountain. And you start. Uh, there was one giant on Hebron's lofty crest. He said he'd be the one to make me flee and all that. I may just revise the song, but it, who knows? Uh, anyway, that's all in there somehow or other. And it, it talks about him and him wanting that mountain. And when they got to go into the promised land, forty years had elapsed since Caleb had first went in. He's forty years older. Now listen carefully. It's going to give you. You're going to see where we go with the message with this. He's forty years older. He gets ready to go in the land. He comes up to Joshua and uh, he reminds him that Moses had said that everywhere that he had already been to, he could have it. So here he's 40 years older than he was when they first was going to go in. And he says, by the way, I still want that mountain. I still want to go in where the giant, that's mine. And here's the statement that uh, Caleb made in Joshua chapter chapter 14, verse 11. He said, as yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, 40 years later. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. You know what he said there, don't you? I can go and I can come back. I'm good enough for this. 40 years later, Deuteronomy 34 verse 7 makes an incredible statement about Moses. It says, And Moses was 120 years old, When he died, his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. That's pretty good. I know what you're thinking. You might know what these fellows ate, right? (laughs) Well, certainly they were exceptional, but not unique. And uh, I want to speak to you this evening on this subject. Be careful or you will just get old. Be careful or you will just get old. <laughs> Intriguing title, huh? Um, my purpose is not to poke at anybody who deals with something that is uh, a problem that is an inherited physical problem, a genetic situation, that sort of thing. And it really, message isn't mainly about us trying to keep ourselves and Good, good shape, although I think as stewards and considering that our body is called the temple of the Holy Ghost, that we should do so. But that's not really the purpose. I'm going to show you scripturally what the purpose is. And I didn't just come up with a neat title and look for verses to match it. I was driven to the message through the scripture I was reading. But I got to think about this thing. Be careful or you will just get old. Promise you that. And uh, let's pray together. Father, help me to be clear in the preaching of your word tonight, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, uh, I'll give you a couple of examples of something, and then, uh, then we're going to look at uh, another passage and come back to Titus. I promise you we'll, we'll be in Titus, but we're going to look at one other verse together. There's a man I know reasonably well, and I remember a number of years back when he was... One year younger, it's, it's stuck in my mind because I kept using the, the number. He was one year younger than I am right now. And he started saying quite frequently, and even when I called his hand on it and said, you keep saying that, and he goes, no, I'm serious, you'll see. You'll see someday. And I think never realizing that we're not that horribly different in age. 
But he said, uh, uh, at that time, he was talking about, uh, talking about being 56, but he kept saying, well, at my age, you've got to expect this. Well, at my age, you got to... Well, at my age, you got to... Now, I'm not giving him some slack if he's in 95. <laughs> but at 56? Well, at my age... <laughs> and uh, I, I just like... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a man, and uh, businessman, and, and we're getting to know each other better. I was talking to him, and he, I said, how you doing? And I think he gave me his age. I think, I think I'm 12 years older than he is. And he said, uh, I said, how you doing? And he said, well, he goes, I was doing pretty good. He goes, but you know how it is. Once you hit your 40s, it's all downhill. <laughs> and I told him, I said, I ran over the 40s a long time ago. Hit them back if they're acting that way. (laughs) We will one day have to deal with and face the reality of having a living soul in a dying body. Moses and uh, Caleb both had something in common. They did eventually die. But how sad, how tragic... And how avoidable to have a dying soul in a living body. Be careful or you'll just get old. Look in uh, the book of Proverbs chapter 16. Don't lose your place there in Titus. We're going to come back to that. Proverbs 16. Hope I've picked your interest enough for you to want to hear what I'm trying to show you in the Scripture. Proverbs chapter 16. Look down, if you will, in verse 31. There's a word that's used here, H-O-A-R-Y, hoary, and that has to do with being gray, having, having turned gray, having gray hair. And it says there in verse 31, the hoary head is a, what church? Crown of, uh, a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. Now hold on a second. Years ago, I preached a message. It was not the same message I'm preaching to you tonight, but I preached out of that text. Is that, is that a crown or just gray hair? The hoary head is a crown of glory. You say, that's a sign of glory. Mm. No, 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 no. He left off a very important preposition. If. If it be found in the way of righteousness. I heard the saying once and I've marked it to be true. Wisdom does not always come with old age. Sometimes old age comes alone. Be careful, or you'll just get old. Someone among us can already feel the pressure of it. Look back in Titus. What this portion I'm going to read to you, the portion of the Bible here, 
it describes what we are to be becoming as we become what the Bible calls aged. Aged means that there are years of experience involved in your life. That you've had the opportunity to see how things come to pass. I've often said to our young people from different settings, whether it be teaching them or preaching to them, whatever, I've said to them a lot of times, I said, I wish you would listen carefully and not set aside the observations of some of us who are a little older. It's not a matter of you not having intelligence. It really isn't. We play with you a little sometimes. I try not to overdo it in that area because I believe many of you have capacities for thinking and you have intelligence. But the thing you don't have is experience. You can see how something's went for the last six months, but you've not watched anything for 25, 30, 35, 40 years. You can't. You haven't been here that long. Many of you young people can't. You've not been cognizant enough to be aware of your surroundings in any kind of intelligent way for 10 years or 12 or 14. Say, well, I'm 18 years old and I've been aware of things for 18 years. If you're really, really keen intellect, you've been aware for about 14 and 18. You may remember back from that, but you've started to put things together. It'd be unusual to be more than that. With many, it's been about 13 of it, and a few of them, it's been about six months. And so, <laughs> it varies. And some of you, we're hoping the next 12 years. Um, but but it, it has to do with that. So the idea of age it is that the experience and the years of opportunity to have learned are there, but yet those years could be barren when it comes to acquiring godly wisdom. You may get earthly, sensual, devilish wisdom, but acquiring godly wisdom, you may be barren of that, and you also may be unfruitful in the works of the Spirit in your life, bearing love and patience and kindness and mercy and these things that the Spirit wants to bring forth. What I'm saying to you tonight is real simple. Be careful or you'll just get old. That's all that will happen. Um, look in uh, Titus 2. It says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. The term become means they are properly fitted to it. They adorn it. They make it look, look good. And sound doctrine is doctrine that's solid. It comes throughout the body of the Scripture. Not one or two hobby horse verses you've pulled out to twist to your teaching uh, and fly in the face of the whole body of Scripture. Be, uh, which becomes sound doctrine. Starts with the men as well it should. We've been given a headship position and the responsibilities of duty and love that fall to the head. The responsibilities of duty and love. And with that, God says, okay, here's what we need to do. That the aged men, now here's, here's where we're going to find out if we're going to just get old or if we're actually going to grow. That the aged men be sober. We need to learn how to let the reproofs of life, the things that we encounter in life, coupled with our increasing knowledge of the Word of God and the things of God, we need to let it couple together for us to learn to look at things in a proper, right way. We need to know how to be able to laugh, how to be able to enjoy, uh, to still remember how to play, not in a childish way, but in a playful way. And yet we need to know 
how to pick up responsibility and how to make decisions based on what's important. We need to learn not to live by impulse and passions of the flesh and the lust, like an overgrown two-year-old having a tantrum because he wants that new car now. <laughs> then it was a matchbox. Now it's something larger. Have you ever heard the old saying that boys, boys never really grow up, their toys just get more expensive, right? Is that right? That's sadly very true. Um, well, kind of sadly, they're fun. <laughs> and by the way, one of the good reasons, and if you don't have your own sons or something, is to develop a relationship with young men and so you can actually keep playing with toys and nobody thinks it's weird, all right? <laughs> The aged men be sober, grave. What does that mean? That means you're willing to face the, the, uh, the tough things in life. You have a bottom line to you. you have, some people would almost call it an edge, and I'm not talking about aggressiveness or, or being out of the way in that way, but there's a bottom line to the thing. Here's what we're about. Here's where we're going. That you be grave. Look at that next word. Temperate. Is that not what we want in our life to put things in a proper balance and to be controlled by the Spirit of God and have our spirit controlled by God's Spirit? Let our soul be controlled by our spirit, our body controlled by our spirit and soul. We desire to be temperate. And the Bible says that the mastery or the awarding of the reward, the prize, goes to those who are temperate. Why? They are willing to do what it takes in order to achieve what's important. This is not ambition and self-serving. This has to do with being able to hold a focus and be able to do what we ought to do. See, we could just get old. We could be in our late 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. You could be aged by your mid to late 40s according to how the family situation is by the strict definition and how it shows up in usage. But we could just get that way and not be sober. I'm thinking of two different individuals right now coming to my mind. Adult men, uh, not part of this church in any way, it's hard to carry conversations with them sometimes because they cannot be serious. Very immature, very childish in what they say and do. That's, that's not how we're supposed to be. And by the way, a virtuous woman's going to have a hard time following something like that. And if she does, it's going to be because of her virtues. We want a lady of God, let's give her a man of God. Let's follow God. God. Let God make true men out of us. Neither trying to prove our strength nor shying away from what is required of strength. But let's try to follow the Lord. As we do, we can help others. Then look at the next statement with this. Sound in faith. Notice becoming sound doctrine, then sound in faith. That your faith is not a fragile thing. But it's based on something more than just a whim or what group you've always been a part of. But there's some core inside of you that says, here's where I stand. That'll happen over time. 
as you develop and enhance your relationship with the Word of God and thusly the God of the Word becomes your faith. It becomes sound. It's built on something solid. And there's going to be times when those who depend on you need you to be able to say, hey, I don't know for sure either. I might be scared like you are, but I do know this. We can trust our God. I do know this. That Bible's true. There's a lot of things I don't know. I can't explain it all to you. I might not be able to bring up every Bible verse I need to. I might not be able to explain how it's going to turn out. But this I know. Our God is faithful and we can trust Him. We've trusted Him thus far. We're just going to keep trusting Him today. You may be scared when you say that. You may be confused when you say that. You may be in a dark place in your own life when you say that. But there is something in your heart that believes that. Something that will not let you quit. May God help us to be sound in faith. I have no desire just to be old. I'll let somebody else take care of that. Can you delegate that? I think it can cause it, maybe. <laughs> um, in charity, as I said on Sunday, I don't go changing the words around. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, read everything that chapter's about and look at all the precious things that are involved with charity. All the things that are, are our potential as children of God. We're supposed to be sound in charity. We're supposed to keep growing in these things. You know? <laughs> and I say this, it almost sounds like a joke, but it really isn't. It ought to be in everybody's interest that we as men grow to become aged men who are sound in charity. Because you know what the alternate is to a man who's aged and sound in charity? What is it? Grumpy, old, Man. Is that right? You say, well, that's just what happens. Well, according to the one fellow I sung to two weeks ago, it started at 40. <laughs> according to the other fellow, I'm at least a year over there. <laughs> but charity. What if the hard things of life taught us to love more deeply instead of becoming cynical? What if we actually uh, decided to live and believe that while we can't change everything, we could help someone? What if we chose to let the thought guide us that we want to be pleasing to God above all else? That even cuts down on the amount of decisions you have to make on a day-by-day basis. Because you've got precepts, principles sitting there and you're just, you're just following it. You're not looking redeciding everything all the time. Here's where I'm going. There's a great, great help to that. So, we need to be careful. We'll just get old, fellas. We'll just get old. We'll be frustrated by the fact that it will seem that our voice is not heard as well. 
We'll be frustrated by the fact that the years of experience are often set aside by those who consider us too old school to listen to because they obviously, this generation knows most. You say, how do you know that some people think that way? Because some of my people thought that way in my generation and the generation before me, and it's not new. <laughs> it seems like we all have the same human problem. The frustration that comes with not being able to do maybe in the same way and to the same degree and at the same level that we did. The frustration of uh, having things that uh, strength used to allow for, physical strength, that it's not quite there or the stamina isn't. The frustration of dreams that maybe you thought you would do that you did not get done that they bother and haunt you. There's a lot of things that can come with age, but... Why just get old? I know with Joshua, I know God's favor was on that man, but let me tell you something. There was something that animated him. He still wondered what God had for him. He wasn't satisfied because he never got to have what God wanted for him, and he was animated from within. I believe that that time that God, uh, Moses spent with God, a time in such close fellowship with God that Moses' face actually shined after it had shone till it scared the people. I believe he had been so close and so touched by the one who is everlasting life, he just wasn't wearing out. And you may have drawn different conclusions, but I think he just got so close to the source, he was like his, his batteries were so charged, he was just going. I heard Lee Robertson preach when he was 90 or 91 years old to a very, very small crowd down in Madeira, right outside of Cincinnati. It wasn't half the crowd we have here tonight. This was a man who used to preach to seven to 10,000 people on a weekly basis that come to hear him. Anywhere he'd go to speak, it would fill every place you could imagine of any size. Large, thousands of seats, auditorium. If they heard Lee Robertson was preaching, they'd come hear him. And he was preaching in a church in Madeira. It was advertised that he'd be there, and literally there wasn't half the crowd we have on this Wednesday night. He was either 90 or 91 years of age. His mind was sharp. And the pastor there got him to do something that he said he hadn't done in almost 20 years and that is he sang before he preached. And I had not known at time later, I found out detail about it. He almost got out of the ministry as a young preacher, and he, he talked about it in testimonies. Back, I got a, a tape of it back in the 70s. And, uh, or it was from the 70s. I didn't get the tape in the 70s. And it was, uh, uh, he almost sidetracked out as a young preacher out of preaching because he was offered a uh, contract with recording studio in Nashville and his voice it was sought after voice and that's why he would almost never sing because it had almost taken him out of what he knew God's calling was on his life preaching now it could be used together but with him he had to watch or it would take him into a different realm and he sang that night and he was strong and he preached the word and he was animated if you didn't look around to the very sparsely filled auditorium you would have thought there was a great crowd in front of him and he preached with intensity, 90 or 91 years old. And then afterwards, he had brought all these books. 
And I still have some books. He gave us all, uh, some books that were there. And he came over. He'd find out who you were. Huh? Uh, my name's Lee Robson. What's your name? And, and we get talk. And he said, uh, here, he says, I think this book will be a help to you here. And this book will be a help to you. Oh, uh, and I heard him talking to others. He gave me a couple, three books. He gave people books. He said, here, take this. This will help you. You know what he was doing? Why he who had carried heavy load all those years and was now in his, around 90 years of age, the reason he was going strong, I'll tell you one of the reasons. Sure, he may have been endowed with some physical strength and some abilities, and he was careful. He took care of himself, very dapper, very, very well cared for himself. But I'm going to tell you something. There was something inside of him that was alive. There was something inside of him that was still at 90 years of age trying to make a difference. Not looking for a big crowd. Not looking to, uh, why aren't they coming to me and I have all this offer? But he was pouring his best into who he had in front of him. See, we have to watch her. We'll just get old. Nobody wants to hear. How easy would it be to do that? Well, nobody wants to hear. I'm not going to take time. I'm not going to drive up all the way there to Ohio. And he drove to all his meetings. He wouldn't fly. He said, if God intended man fly, giving him wings, he didn't fly. He drove to his meetings, and when he got up in years, he could drive as well as wife drove him. And and they went, and uh, uh, he, he he why would he do that? He was living in the Chattanooga area. Why would he Why would he drive up from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and come and give no expression that he was disappointed? At some point, I don't know if he thought of it this way, but he decided not to get old. Well, preach, you can't help getting older. You can't help years stacking up. But don't crawl under them and let them squish you. In patience. Now, isn't that funny? Because that's the exact opposite thing that can easily happen. In patience. I believe in order for us to grow in our patience and for that to go, we have to take a lot of time to be thankful for the patience that God shown us. I believe that we have to keep open our thinking about those who've invested in us. I think it does us well to remember the time we've disappointed others. And then perhaps we can be as well to be. And the men are given that and then the ladies are given things that reveal that God has entrusted to you a great power of persuasion. He has given to you a great thing called influence. Every nuance of what's written here to the ladies points to the fact that you have extreme influence in your family, in your churches, in your society, indeed in the world. Let's look at what God said about it. As you ladies have to decide if you're going to be aged, which is actually a term of respect, or you're just going to get old. And by the way, if you do decide just to get old, don't try to cover it with caulk. <laughs> there is a beauty that this poor, lost, wandering world tries to duplicate, but it can never in any way replicate. And that's the beauty of the life that comes from within. Don't know if any of you all still have your ornament. If you were here when I preached on God's favorite decoration, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. How many of you still, you took one of these, you still have it? I keep mine in my car. 
I hadn't thought about it. I look at it. I think about it uh, probably at least once a day. Think about what it means. I put it in a particular place in my car where I knew I'd look at it. And yesterday, uh, the hospital in Kettering, after I helped a couple of our relatives get in and, and visit John there in the, in the intensive care, um, I was getting ready and hadn't eaten. And, and uh, Sandra asked me, and said, where are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to get some food before I drive home. And it was up supper time. And she said, well, I haven't eaten either. She said, how about if I just go with you? And so we did. And we ran over, found Frisch's that was open over there. And got the salad I wanted. And we were going over. She got in my car. I said, I said, we'll just, we'll take my car, sis. And so we, we got in my car. And as my sister got in the car, she looked down. And she saw that. And she said, oh, you got yours. And then Arnold. I said, yeah. I said, I keep it right there. She goes, I have mine on my china cabinet. She says, I, she says, I got a green one. And she said, I, she said, I put it right there so I see it every day. And then my niece, Leslie, who was here, has visited a couple times here, said, Leslie keeps hers right where she can see it. It's a good reminder, isn't it? And the thing of it is that if you'll remember, if you were in that, but you get the sense of it just from what I'm saying, God has given you an, an opportunity for an ornament. And that, there's a beauty called the hidden man of the heart that other things can't duplicate. Because God wants you to not get old. <laughs> look, in, uh, look in verse 3. The aged women likewise, in the same manner as the men. A further understanding of that's come to me. I said, likewise, okay, I'm saying, well, God's dealing evenly and he's going back and forth and nothing. I thought, well, you're missing the picture on that one, buddy. You're dipping around on the surface like one of those little birds and that thing's deep. You're missing it. Likewise, in the same manner as the men. Okay, preacher, where are you driving at? Well, here's what, here's what I come to understand on it. it. Tells the men, here's what you're supposed to be instead of just getting old. And the aged women likewise. In other words, men give them something to follow. Set the spiritual tone. Don't drag, drag around like a carnal caveman hoping your wife makes your family spiritual. You may have been made out of dirt, but she shouldn't have to be always pulling you out of the mud. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior, notice I said to you, everything points to influence, as becometh, there's that word again, it fits, holiness, the life of God from within. <laughs> the devil is so slick about this, troubling us. To me, this is, I look at it and say, man, is that ever effective? For bad. But boy, it's disgusting. It's amazing that in Christianity, the term holiness in different ways has been so long attached to a self-righteous, harsh, judgmental mindset that God's people who are serious about God sometimes recoil from that word. And it deprives us of one of the greatest beauties. The Bible talks about the beauty of holiness. And that's the beauty of the life of God born in a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. And the beauty of God's life showing through the living of that person. As becometh holiness, not false accusers, 
And I say this not jokingly. All people have to be careful. Ladies, I believe as it is revealed in your creation, as I believe it is revealed in how Satan came and played upon that creation, worked it against ladies in the original temptations, and as we see throughout the Bible, in a day where it is uh, so easy to be in the uh, social medias, with constant contact with one another and such, that you need to pay attention that your Bible specifically with the ladies gives warning in more than one place about women in particular not to be busybodies. Men also are not to, but it goes specifically towards the women with it. Here, when it's warning uh, what they're supposed to be like, it gives a not and it says not false accusers. I don't understand everything about it. But I do know that God warns men about certain things and it seems to be that He says, your fallen nature with your brokenness, you have to watch this. Not that it never happens with a lady, but you're more susceptible to it. And it seems ladies in this area, He says, you've got to watch this. Not that men don't do it, but you've got to watch it's a danger area. Boy, I hope that we're mature enough to take God's instruction. That we would trust that the Creator knows where we are uh, vulnerable. And that He's revealed that to us in His Word because He loves us and wants us to be able to walk in, in, in fellowship with Him. The aging women likewise, if they become in behavior, or be in behaviors, becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to munch wine. So that's good. I can take a little nip every day. Um, <laughs> not exactly. And I had thought whether I would go just for your instruction to show you and turn you to the verses. I'll just mention it. Perhaps another time I'll give you a full dissertation on this. There's another passage where Paul gave the admonition. He says, drink no longer water, but a little wine for thine often infirmities. Now, for these people who are either old or just aged, that are my age, some of them are old, some of them are just aged, um, they would remember this little phrase, I'm doing this for medicinal purposes. Yeah, we have. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, you just agree with that concept. <laughs> so whatever it may be. <laughs> medicinal purposes, and that was the excuse. I'd have the flask, you know. Medicinal purposes of about a fifth of the day. Um, But what actually happened with it was literally, if you think about it, uh, not, not even different now than we do for certain things that are medicines and that sort of thing. The, the wine that they're talking about, there was a, the waters was not all good. There were problems that the wine could actually have the medicinal effect for. So they weren't just saying, oh, I think social drinking is okay. And they were always warned about it. Wonder why they were warned about it. Well, fast forward into our daytime here. Has anybody ever heard of whether you know somebody personally or not? Has anybody ever heard of somebody being uh, uh, being uh, addicted to any kind of pain medicines? Opioids is what they say now. We used to say narcotic, but that from that family, from an opium-based family. 
Have I ever heard of that? Someone got a prescription and they got strung out on it. Pharmaceutical junkies are as are uh, that uh, come through the legal means are just as numerous as street junkies. Absolutely. Same thing. Why the warning? Well, because it can grab you. So what's it saying about just getting old? Don't get to a point where your dependency becomes on the things that may have to help you. And you need to be careful what you think is have to help you in this life. There's been a many a person who has sought comfort in areas where they would have never had to if they had been walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God who is the comfort. Now, I want an honest show of hands here. Have any of you either been in or had a closer role than go into any kind of medical situation where whatever is going on and they start asking, are you worried, are you scared, or this or that, and immediately they're wanting to know about putting you on antidepressants? Yeah, let me see hands, people who have experienced. Immediately, that was their first go-to before they're going, let me put you on antidepressants. Why? Are you sad over that? Has there been any stress in your life? I'm talking about when my sister went in after my mom dad died, they're saying, does that make you sad? And she's like, yes, and it should. Yes. Well, let's give you something to help you with that. I don't need help with that. I need to hurt. My mother I was close to is dead. I need to hurt, not mask it. You internalize that kind of grief too long, you, you'll grow a malignancy in your soul. Well, this is the same type of thing. One thing that'll get you old is a dependency on other things first and not the Lord. I hope you can take what I'm giving you in the measure of wisdom that you take. You know, Brother Keith, it's always a scary thing for me to speak in this line. It needs to be done by a pastor. But I realize how easily people can go one direction or another. You were to come to me and say, Preacher, I just want to live by faith. I'm, not, I'm going to take my insulin pump off today. I'd say, Nicole, knock him out. And when he wakes up, maybe he'll think better. <laughs> Amen? She sounds willing. What you been doing, brother? <laughs> she was doing, She jumped on that a little too easy. Do you see what I'm saying? I hope you do. It's biblical. The aged women likewise, if they be in behaviors, becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine. Teachers. That means they have to learn something. They have to have something to give. They should be growing in their lives. Teachers of what? Of good things. Well, what good things? Well, maybe how to uh, maybe how to fix a garment. Uh, maybe how to how to make a decision about something you need to do. Maybe how to clean a house. Maybe how uh, what to do when your child's broken your heart. Maybe what I don't know. It could be a wide range of things. But how about some good things that are helpful? Doesn't seem to put a limit on it. It's a good thing, and you can do it. There's a couple. There's a couple here in our church. Sounds good. They teach you how to change brakes and everything. They're good at it. Amen. We got a couple of sisters in here that can flat get some brakes changed. I love it. Yeah. Um, 
May God bless him. I don't want to do it. You just change brakes on a car. I've done it two or three times. The only thing that kept me from keeping doing it for myself, I wouldn't now, but not that I'm too good to it. In fact, just the opposite. I'm not good enough to. Um, the only problem I had it was a consistent problem. They didn't work. They either kept trying to stop when they weren't supposed to be or they wouldn't when they were, but it was a problem. So I found out I could fix my own brakes and then have somebody else do it and replace the rotors or just go ahead and let them do it. What good things? There's a lot of good things you could teach. Maybe you could teach them that uh, it's okay when they feel scared and the Lord's not going to leave them. Maybe you could teach them uh, just to stay steady uh, when they don't feel steady. Maybe you could teach them uh, that there are certain times and there are certain places in ladies' lives where the emotions may run away from them and things may go on. And that's all just part of the way that God made them for certain things that God made them uh, uniquely for. Maybe you could teach them these things and impart some wisdom that would help them stay and go the right way. And then to be just to love uh, to love their husbands, they have to learn to do that. Probably have to relearn. <laughs> Sometimes we husbands can unlearn all they've learned. <laughs> to love their husbands, to love their husbands, not their image of what they think their husband should be. To love their children. I love the group individuality of that. I love them. I can honestly say, because I've had John and Sandra Buzz say it also, and I know I've certainly felt it. We're blessed to have a mom. I never felt that she loved one of us better than the other, but I also never felt that there wasn't a special relationship. Her relationship with John was different than mine. Relationship with Sandra is different than mine. That's good. She's a girl. Um, but not more. And uh, that, that takes some guidance. How about this? To be discreet. Oh my goodness, could we use discretion? Just knowing when to talk and when not to knowing what to reveal and what not to, being a guardian of other people's dignity instead of flashing their failures out in front of the world. May God help each of you to rise above the petty smallness of having to reveal others' failures. <clears throat> to be discreet, chaste, that's morally clean and pure, both in your heart and in your mind, being faithful both physically and mentally. Chase. Keepers at home. What does that mean? They never get to leave the house? Don't think that matches Proverbs 31. That lady got a lot of things done. Um, but what that means is the priority. That means the priorities there. You know, your kids aren't wondering where mommy went while you're pursuing a career. You know, one of the greatest heartaches 
that a godly lady who has a godly heart faces as if through whatever reason, whether it be death or some, some tragedy within relationship or whatever, when she is forced to assume the role of mother and dad and, and it takes her away from the home so much that she feels that tornness. When my mama had more third shift, we'd, we'd got mighty hungry and tried to see us kids during the day and all went with it. But just to abandon that so that you can have your own identity and your own career, something very wrong with that. And it'll never bring you anything but heartache. And it'll make you so susceptible to some of the most vile temptations. Oh my. Ladies of God, the Lord has something a lot better for you than that. He really does. You have it so much influence. And there's no place where influence can be more greatly applied than in the home. Good. I like that. Just good. Be good. <laughs> Obedient to their own husbands. Hmm. Then look at this incredible statement at the, attached to the end of this. That the Word of God be not blasphemed. A hypocritical and self-righteous religious man can do a lot of damage. But a cantankerous and self-righteous religious woman can flat cause destruction. Why? You say, well, the man's ahead. Oh, yeah, that's positional. But the woman has so much influence. It's incredible. Challenges sometimes you're reading through the New Testament. Start checking. In the Old Testament, you'll find it too. But in the New Testament particularly, start checking and, and, and finding how often ladies figure into those early churches and in the gospel going forward and in people being ministered to. And then, and by the way, if you knew much church history, if you study much church history, you won't find out what the ladies of God have meant to the work of God. You have incredible, incredible influence. May God help you to use it every day for Him. Why? Hey, we need to be careful or we're just going to get old. We know my age. We know my age. You're only 56. Yeah, you're not there yet. I had somebody tell me once, this was funny to me. They, they gave me a certain age. I don't remember what the age was. I'm going to use the age 60, I don't remember what it was. It was in that range. They said, oh yeah, that's what I was too. The day I turned 60, everything fell apart. <laughs> oh man, check your warranty. What's going on? <laughs> and again, as I said at the beginning, I'm not poking at real physical situations that come on. I think it's very sad. I'll just think bluntly. It's sad if you could avoid it just neglected. I think I wonder sometimes how much responsibility we want to take for the fact that there's a whole lot that we could make either go better or keep stronger in our lives, both in the physical realm, mental realm, spiritual realm, 
if we would just do what we ought to do. Aging does not have to be equivalent to deterioration. At 120 years of age, Moses' eye was not dimmed. He didn't need glasses. He didn't even need reading glasses if they'd had such things. Neither was his natural force abated. He had as much strength at 120. He said, well, yeah, people used to live eight, 900 years. Not during Moses' day. 120. <laughs> Do you know what else he did at 120? He died. And it wasn't out riding his motorcycle or something. He was out there and he ran and he, he just died. Why? Because God said die. Read it. God took him aside, showed him the promised land, said you don't get to go in, die. You know what he went from? He went from 120 years old with no physical ailments to die. Caleb waited 40 years to go to battle and went to battle and was, was used of God and he was said, I'm as strong right now as I was then. And I don't think he was wimpy 40 years earlier, you know. But you know what Caleb ended up doing too? He died. But even with that said, age does not have to be equivalent to deterioration. Well, I just can't. Well, okay. Let's try something at every age. How about if we get more focused on what we can do instead of what we think we can't? How about if we get more focused on the fact that God wants to use us than the fact that we know we're limited? What if we don't allow our limitations to be God's boundaries? What if we realize that uh, He can go beyond us? What if we just decide to live while we're living? Living requires life. And Jesus said, I am come to give them life. And to give them life more abundantly. What if we decide to just live every day to the fullest strength we have until He calls us home? Some people dear to my wife and I, we've met together just a few years ago. And all of us were grandparents. Still are, by the way. We were the youngest of those grandparents, but not by a great deal. You understand, we got married, my wife and I were both 22 when we got married, we didn't have our first child until five years later. So we started into parenting a little bit older. So, we're nearly their age, but kids are younger and such, but we had grand, grandchildren. And I still remember, we got laughing afterwards, we all met together and we were talking and stuff. And what they were talking about, by the end of the meal and stuff we had together, I was sitting there going, I want to go do something. Why? Because all they were talking about was old people stuff. They were. 
And I'm not talking about we were with somebody 30, 40 years older than us. They were right in our, our age spectrum. And everything they talked about was old people talk. Old people thinking. Old people talk. Old people, here's where we are. Old people, well, I guess we'll, our goal in life is sedentary. <laughs> we're just going to sit until they plant us. <laughs> Bloom where you're planted. <laughs> I'm going to sit here until they plant me. Um, no. And I'm like, hmm. Let's talk about some ideas. Let's talk about some things we want to do. Let's talk about what God can do. Let's talk about what God's been teaching us. Let's talk about, if we want to talk about something old people talk about, let's talk about how good he's been over the years. Let's talk about what we've seen him do. Let's talk about the blessings we've seen. So what are you going to do? You're just going to get old? Well, if you do, don't invite me to lunch. Because I don't want to just get old. Unless you're paying. Father, thank you for your people. May we get the reality of this deep in our soul. And just quit giving up. God, may we not give up on the days of the life you've put into our, our, our being and into our hands. May we use them for you, please. May your people seek after you tonight and have a heart towards you, please.